you know, disappointing set of results considering, uh, you, know, you know, profitability was down quite a lot. It was obviously uh, earnings headwinds which contributed a lot to that given the um, regions in, 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 in which that they, they operate. Uh, but if you look at it over the period, um, you know, j- j- January to June, so the half year to the end of June, Sakina, uh, profitability down around 20% for the firm, um, you know, in uh, take it, uh, but that's including the effects of currency. Um, you know, we know obviously that the, that over that period, uh, you know, the rand was fairly weak against the pound. It was only the pound weakness only came through subsequent to uh, June and subsequent to the Brexit vote. So, you know, um, the currency was obviously the biggest drag on performance. But even in constant currency terms, Sakina profitability down nine percent. Um, you know, and given and, and and that really wasn't what the market was looking for, especially given all the things happening at Old Mutual. You know, they know that the business is splitting into the four individual units. Um, you know, the emerging markets business, the asset management business, um, Nedbank and the and, and, and the developed market or the UK wealth business. So, you know, I think the biggest issue here is that uh, Old Mutual have a very, very large cost base and they're really battling to, to control that cost base. Um, and that's really the reasoning behind the splitting of the four business units um, in any event, you know, because there's going to be uh, a consolidation away from that uh, massive London headquarter, which uh, cost them something like 100 million rand a year. And that's obviously a big drag on the emerging markets business uh, because that's really the big cash generator within the business. And, uh, you know, it seems to be funding this, uh, th- this big head office cost. So, you know, part of the reason of, or, or part of the logic of the business splitting into the four units was to control this cost base. And I think in these results, you can clearly see the impact um, of, you know, escalating costs at Old Mutual, particularly in an, in an environment, uh, you know, where glo- the global economic growth is slowing, whether it be in the emerging markets business, whether it be in the developed market business or the wealth business in the UK, um, you know, the, the, the global economy isn't exactly powering ahead. And during difficult economic times, um, you, you know, people seem to tighten their belt. And uh, the first thing that seems to go is things like insurance products and, uh, you know, other such luxuries. So, and, and, and that was also reflected in the fact that uh, even in constant currency terms, their revenue or their top line growth was even down by 5%. So, you know, in, in, in such an environment, uh, you know, cost cutting and cost savings becomes critical. And, uh, you know, Old Mutual are battling to do this, um, you know, with this behemoth with four different business units, really. Um, you know, and, and, and they, in fact, even gave an update on uh, when the split is going to be happened. And they're targeting the end of financial year 2018, which is about a, a year and a half away, or two, two and a half years away, should I say. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, that, that, that still makes sense because the emerging market business still, uh, you know, to a large extent carrying a lot of the other businesses, and uh, that could be quite a lot of value unlocked for the emerging markets business in itself. Mm. Nadir, let's talk about Steinhoff. I was reading about uh, some acquisition plans there yesterday. But uh, uh, in the past couple of months, we've seen um, uh, retrenchments at that company. What's going on there now? Yeah, Sikin, I mean, I think the biggest story there is the, the expansion into the U.S. market. It's their first soiree into the, into the world's largest market. Um, you know, and they're doing it through a mattress company called Mattress Firm, you know, a fairly 
small cap company in relative terms, trading at a market cap of about $1.2 billion. Uh, but I think the part that Steiner finds most attractive about this firm uh, is its, uh, its uh, market share of, of, of the U.S. mattress market coming in at about 25%. But even more than that, the 75 distribution centers it has uh, throughout the, the, the U.S. market and you know how widespread it is across the entire country and the fact that they have 3,500 stores across the across the U.S. with the capacity to imp- increase that to four and a half thousand stores. You know, so it's about uh, you know part of the, the the big plan to cracking the world's biggest market is about getting your distribution right, about having the scale, and about being able to ramp that up. And I think that's really what's attracting Steinoff to the mattress firm. And uh, you know, judging by the price they're willing to pay for the company, um, you know, they are really attracted to the market. I mean, if you look at uh, two point four billion dollars, that's the price tag that they're putting on the company double the current market cap and in addition to the 2.4 billion dollars uh, that, that they're willing to pay they're willing to take on the additional uh, 1.4 1.4 billion dollars of debt on the company's balance sheet you know which takes the acquisition value closer to 3.8 billion dollars so it is really a, a a mammoth number that they're looking to pay for this distribution capability within the u.s i think this is a couple of fold you know currently uh, they face all, all their risk is within uh, South Africa and within um, Europe, and we both know that economies in these regions are facing a number of headwinds, and uh, growth in the retail sector is not exactly going to be powering ahead, and uh, that that speaks to the retrenchment sakina in a number of their businesses, uh, particularly their furniture businesses in, in, in South Africa. They are battling businesses, and as a result of that, uh, you know, they're again turning to the cost-cutting side. But uh, it's not slowing down the expansion plan globally to try and be earnings accretive, to try and enter the U.S. market in terms of a, a long-term strategic decision. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they've always mentioned that they have ambitions of being one of the biggest uh, household retail stores in the world, you know, within the top five global consumer retailers in the world. So, you know, that, that's going to require them to crack the U.S. market. And, uh, you know, that's really what this bid for mattress firm is all about. Well, Nadir, we're going to leave it there. Uh, but uh, before we go, just very quickly, what's driving the strong rand currently? Yeah, Sakina, so I think at the end of the day, it's about the yield differential between South Africa or, or emerging markets and the developed markets. You know, I think uh, the markets are seem to be toing and fro between is there going to be an increase in interest rates or isn't there going to be from central banks uh, in, in, for, from the U.S. Federal Reserve. And, uh, you know, for the timing, it seems to be that the market is pricing in no interest rate increase. And the fact that, uh, you know, our bond yields are so attractive relative to some of these U.S. and other developed market bond yields, um, you know, it's it's attracting a lot of foreign capital because even if you look at the volatility of the currency, you know, on a five-year bond, uh, the kind of yield that foreigners are getting in South Africa or and, in fact, in other emerging markets, which have also attracted currency strengths, it's just that South Africa has been more drastic given how liquid our market is. But, you know, on a five-year um, yield spread basis, the currency would have to depreciate in South Africa, for example, by in excess of or, or almost 40 percent uh, before, you know, it, it, it would be more valuable to be in the equivalent U.S. note relative to the South African note, um, you know, which is quite a big call to make. So the investors are, or global investors are, are in their search for yield, are piling into these high-yielding assets, and uh, South African African bonds happen to be amongst those. And as a result of that, we've seen a lot of 
financial inflows into our country, um, and the rand strengthening quite a bit. In fact, it's a, a bit off. It's, it's quite a bit off its highs. You know, it went all the way to around 13.20 to the dollar. We're seeing it settling at around 13.47, 13.48 at the close on Friday. So in, while it has been exceptionally strong, uh, Sakina, it is quite a bit off uh, where, 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 where its highs were just a couple of days ago.